0: From the Basement, the only blockchain podcast that interviews the forgotten and downtrodden devs that actually do the work. Hosted by me, Martin G. And one of those downtrodden devs is Adam Dry. Hi, Adam. Hi, Martin. And in this episode, we're going to be talking about Adam's experience and advice for integrating core apps into incumbent systems, so you can move your proof of concept into production. Um. Now, Adam, we know each other really through Ryan Gledhill. Um yeah me recruiting for Ivno, but um, I'm sure many of the people listening don't, uh, might not know you or probably don't know you. So let's crack on with these 20 questions, shall we?
1: Sure, let it.
0: Okay, um, first up, what company do you
1: work for? Uh, so I work for, for Ivno, uh, so Ivno do uh, instant value transfer, so it's uh, kind of real time,
0: 24-7. Great, um, what do you do there?
1: So my job title is head of technology. Um, being a being a small company, I wear many hats. Um, so uh, mostly uh, around the, the the product delivery uh, kind of area. Do you have a nickname? <laughs> uh, not really. Just Ad.
0: <laughs> <laughs> ad. Oh, yeah. fair enough. Um, not everyone can have a cool nickname like, like Bartman, I suppose. No, can
1: unfortunately they? not. Yeah. No.
0: How how old were you when you started programming,
1: Adam? Uh, I was uh, twelve when I when I taught myself to program in uh, Visual Basic six. Um, back in the days before um, <laughs> before YouTube or Udemy or anything like that, I just I had a book and a, uh, a hooky copy of Visual Studio, uh, and, uh, and and off I went. <laughs>
0: Amazing. A hooky copy. <laughs> yeah. yeah, my dad knows, Where, a guy, um... knows a guy,
1: right? And he just burnt, burnt, burnt me some discs. So, uh, yeah.
0: I love it. Burnt me some discs. Yeah. yeah. yeah uh... back
1: when, you know, you had like the cases that held about four CDs or something in them for the Visual Studio.
0: Where did you grow up?
1: Um, in, in Essex. Uh, so near, near Colchester, basically. Culture.
0: is that one of these tiny, one of the tiny, one of the many tiny villages near Colchester. So,
1: yes, that's right. Yeah, yeah. A, very right. yeah, very sleepy village. I think we had uh, a corner shop, which actually my parents ran for for a little while, but, um, <laughs> but but that was about it.
0: Okay, small town, small small village guy. Yeah. Um, where did you go to uni, and what did you study?
1: So uh, I didn't go to uni. So I went to uh, college after. After school, and then I went. I had enough of further education, uh, and uh, and wanted to uh, wanted to just get into the world, really. Um, and uh, so, yeah, glad glad I did.
0: You know, I've interviewed three people now for this, and not a single one of them have gone to uni. I think I need to
1: change this question. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. Um, where when did you start working in software? So, so when I was about eighteen. So once I'd left uh, left college. Um, got myself a junior programming job in uh, in VB six and Microsoft SQL Server for um, for the grand sum of uh, twelve thousand pounds a year. I think it was. Oh. <laughs> so uh, so yeah, but it beat working at Little Chef. So uh, yeah.
0: <laughs> okay, uh, when did you start working? No, so which industry have you spent most of your career, career in?
1: Um, that's a good question. I don't really have one answer for that. So I, I probably spent about five years uh, building digital dictation software for, for legal firms. Um, okay. And then I spent probably about three or four years in construction, probably uh, three or four years in FinServ, um, and then a, a few years in uh, uh, telecoms as well.
0: Wow. Okay. What's your operating system of choice?
1: Uh, it has to be Ubuntu um, or anything Linux based that isn't Mac OS. Um, used to be a Windows programmer, but uh, yeah, definitely, uh, definitely a fan of Linux these days. Amazing. Um, what's your programming
0: language of choice then? Uh,
1: so these days, it's, it's got to be TypeScript. Um, big big fan of Node, um, but not a big fan of uh, not strongly typed languages, So, um, which JavaScript obviously is it's uh typed so um so typescript came along and changed that and, and made it more of a closer to a strongly typed language so yeah TypeScript would be uh my choice at the moment
0: so you moved on from vb6 eh?
1: i have moved on from VB 6
0: what when was the last time you wrote some code and what did it do
1: oh good question um so i think it was a few days ago well i was on holiday at the end of last week so i think it was a starter last week and Hmm. i think it was uh to help us also generate our sandbox environment so a little private quarter network so it's a bit of devops work essentially um and that was written in TypeScript. awesome um what is your favorite music to listen to whilst you code um I still listen to the same music that I listened to when I was like seventeen. So <laughs> <laughs> Go on, come on, tell us. So you know, so kind of like uh, pop punk, uh, Blink 182, you know, uh, a bit Scar, Real Big Fish, Lesson Jake. Oh, really? A bit of old school Scar, uh, you know, uh, Madness, The Specials, stuff like that. Yeah, Specials, yeah. Yeah. Uh, but it, I has, think- it has to be stuff that I that I know. If it's if it's stuff if it's new stuff, it um I find that I can't focus as well.
0: It distracts you. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Okay, name one skill all programmers
1: should have. Um, attention to detail, I think, is uh, is something that you, you have to have. Um, at the end of the day, computers are extremely finicky. They're very picky, um, and uh, you, you can't sort of just what you're saying to make them do what you want you have to tell them exactly what you what you want them to do so yeah I think attention to detail is uh, is certainly up there
0: Agile is Agile a force for good or for bad?
1: Oh it's controversial isn't it Agile? <laughs> uh, I think it's got to be one of the most overused or certainly misused terms in, in the industry really um, so uh, so definitely good I think waterfall is, is not not the way to go These, I think, we all know that front-loading the 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 design and build process like that is super high risk. And I think um, uh, the thing with Agile, I think they put these rule books out like Scrum and Kanban, and people follow them to the letter, and uh, they don't really understand the actual underlying benefits that those rules are trying to give you. And every team's different, every environment's different. Um so you follow the rule book to the letter and you don't really you're not really getting the benefits because they don't quite work for you. Um, I think once you have worked in those environments a little bit, you understand the underlying benefits and then you can kind of bin the rule book off more or less um, and kind of build you, <laughs> kind of build your own rules based on your own uh, uh, circumstances and still get those underlying benefits that they're they're trying to push you towards. so, um, I think it's good. I think it's unintuitive, and you probably need a bit of experience and a bit of help to uh, to really make it work. So, so you basically, you're a, you're any Scrum master's
0: favourite team member. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, I haven't been a Scrum master in the past yet. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I know the pitfalls. Yeah, all right. Do uh,
1: do you or have you ever owned
0: any Bitcoin?
1: Uh, I have got a small amount of Bitcoin. Yep, um, I'm certainly not going to be a a Crypto millionaire anytime soon, but um, but but yes, I do have a little bit of Bitcoin and a, a little bit of uh, ETH as well.
0: Okay, how long have you been using Corda for?
1: About a year and a half. Um, <clears throat> so yeah, I started uh, by I was freelancing actually for Ivno and I did a bit of uh, kind of DevOps work around um, around that, helping them with the the trial and things, and then uh, uh yeah, and then obviously the, the rest of the year actually working permanently at Ivno.
0: Okay, what? Um, why
1: did you get into Cordo in the first place? Uh, I think we've already mentioned Ryan Gledhill, so um, he's <laughs> <laughs> he was the, uh, the, the the reason, really. So, having worked in the past with, with Ryan, um, he, he came to me and said, uh, "Look at this new, cool, exciting thing that we're doing. Uh, do you do, do you want to come and uh, come and give us a hand?" Really. So that, that's how it all started.
0: Amazing
1: what is uh what's the best thing
0: about Corda?
1: um so i think from a developer point of view i suppose the the flow framework really um because it is so flexible um and and pretty easy to use um you know it's normally used to or the most common task i suppose is to is to sort of build a transaction collect signatures things like that you can just use it as a messaging system as well so that that it goes, it's quite a raw kind of protocol, if you like. So it's quite flexible um, in that sense. And I suppose a bit of a higher level from a business analyst kind of point of view um, hmm. is, and this leads on from that, I suppose, is the, is the peer-to-peer nature of it. Um, I think that just unlocks so many different use cases that the kind of public ledger, you know, the gossip protocol type stuff doesn't, doesn't uh, lend itself to.
0: What, uh, what would you say is the worst thing about Corda?
1: Uh, So I'm, I'm not a fan of uh, the way Java sort of dependencies work and, um, and, and I'm not really a fan of Gradle either. I thought I find it quite kind of difficult to, to, to manage. So probably that side of it, that's that's probably more of a generic Java complaint, I suppose, than quarter specific. So if I had to go quarter specific, probably maybe the the error messages I send to find that the errors sometimes (laughs) are not particularly descriptive and don't. Uh, help you that much in, in solving the problem, but um, but uh, yeah, pro- probably okay.
0: that. All right, Adam Dry called a man who doesn't doesn't like seeing error messages. Yeah, well, who does? <laughs> well, it's the same way, right? <laughs> <laughs> what um, All right. What's your favourite Corda open source library?
1: Oh, um, so pro- probably have to be the Token SDK. I think that's uh, it's pretty pretty widely used and uh, and it has a lot of applications.
0: Yeah. Uh and then what is what's the best place to start learning corda? Uh
1: go to corda co club. That's that's got to be <laughs> <laughs> Yes. <laughs> uh no I mean so ju- yeah so that I suppose and jumping on the, the the public slack channel and obviously just just going through the documentation go through the the official stuff um and read 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 I suppose and um yeah, and just and just try it out. It's it's not too hard to just get a you know get a template and start kind of mucking about. So, rub your sleeves up and, and jump in.
0: Amazing, right? Uh, all right, cool. So, look, we want to talk about um, integration um, integration, uh, I guess, with incumbent systems um, and how you move on from POC to production. I guess we better set the scene a little bit more though before we get into that, and just. Find out a bit more about what Treasury does because you mentioned value transfer. I think systems, and you said twenty four hours, but yeah. value transfer sounds really kind of vague and non specific to me. So, what yeah. what exactly does if ifno do?
1: Yeah, so I mean, its itself at its core is mm. um, uh, is a is a value transfer app. So it, that's that's what we what we do. So it's, it's a utility layer application so we're not a full you know treasury management system or you know invoice management system or or anything like that we're we're a a a cog in those in those processes if if you like so um that's that's the the core of what what does we have a few um kind of products so sorry go on
0: so why do you why why do you say value transfer why don't you say like um money transfer or like well, asset transfer.
1: Yeah, good question. Actually, so so the um, we have uh, a, a global cash or cash equivalent token that that it um, says HQLA level one, and that that can be transferred between any entity globally that's obviously an, uh, an if no participant. Um, but we... What is, sorry, what did you say? What does HS? Sorry, HQLA. W- so high quality mm. liquid assets. So um, so that's important for for, for banks and, and financial institutions because it allows them to um, allocate that to their uh, uh, liquidity buffers and things like that. Um, it's, yeah. it's, it's important for them. So um, for regulation purposes. So... Um, So that's one thing, but we, we have some other products as well. So that allow, uh, allow the transfer of other assets. So in other words, you can digitize other assets, um, and then move those tokens around between, um, entities. And that can be intra organizationally. So between different, um, uh, geographically located offices for the same company, um, or it could be be between, between companies as well. So, um, so yeah. So who would be your target? Who's your target audience? Who, who, who's most likely to use your product? So it's, it's going to be um, banks and uh, and FMI's and large you know large financial institutions, um, but also large corporates. That's that's a, a, another market as well that um, that that would definitely benefit from from our software. So banks and large
0: corporates use if those products to transfer um, assets. And value in the form of other other digital assets yeah. to other end, to other companies. That's right, yeah, or or internally between themselves, yeah. And um, but that that sound that's what Corda does, right? So why does why why would these companies use? What's the difference between the companies just using Corda and the companies using Ivno? Sure. So no, it's a good question. So,
1: um, one of the things that. Uh, differentiates if no from from other um, kind of tokenizing companies on, on, on the market certainly as certainly as an approach so before I joined so when the when, yeah. the, when the founders were kind of developing developing the, the organization and the plan and everything they uh, deliberately took a, a an approach that they would tackle the quite complicated legal and, and regulatory structure that um, that you need in order to do something like this. So if you're going to tokenize a, an asset, so there's an underlying asset that backs the, the token. So the token itself is not a, a cryptocurrency. So like like Bitcoin doesn't have anything yeah. that backs it. You know, it just has value. Um, yeah. This isn't that. These, this is a tokenization of an underlying asset. So there are complications in that. You know, how do you um, regulate the issuance and the destruction of those tokens? How do you... Uh, deal with the custodianship of the underlying asset yeah. how do you get the assets in and out of that custodian and things like that it's quite quite complicated and it's complicated on two two channels if you like two levels one of those is the uh the legal and you know legal and regs side um and the other is obviously the technology side so if no so the- sorry
0: gone. So the point is, that if no, it's not just some like backstreet tokenization shop. Yeah, <laughs> not. not that I think they exist, but it's not. It's not some backstreet dodgy tokenization shop. This is a gold-plated, regulatory-compliant um, tokenization um, product. Yeah. So you tokenize assets, yeah. and you then provide a service to manage manage them with.
1: That's right. Yeah, exactly, exactly. And we and we we tackled the legal and reg stuff first before before we built the the, the technology side of it because I think the technology side probably is slightly easier or certainly more um, more common, I suppose. Um, so yeah, so it's a sensible way of tackling it, I think. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. They're all the
0: the companies, um, the other the other companies I know in in this in this financial services space, they've gone that way around as well, and it does seem that you know that's precisely the mistake a lot of the um, a lot of the other, you know, pre-corder, non-corder tokenization shops have taken where they they, they they thought they'd solve the tech first. Yeah. Um, and then that's why they're one that's why there's all these Ethereum dApps wandering about. <laughs> with no with no with nobody using them. Exactly. Basically. Yeah. 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 Alright, so we've set the scene a bit now and established what Ivno does. Let's get down to the business of the day and talk about integrating core apps into incumbent systems. First up why integrate into existing systems at all why not just provide your cord app as a service
1: well I mean the the, the cord apps that that people build are are there to, to solve um, you know DLT problems uh, they're they're not there to um, uh, to solve existing problems so if you think about um, Maybe treasury management systems or margin management systems, things like that. There's loads of logic in there to to handle the the way that flows internally in the business and to calculate um, you know where money should be going and and when and things like that. Um, that's not DLT specific. There's only one party involved in how they manage their you know did their yeah. treasury management um, and that's themselves. So there's no multiple party. There's no kind of trust problem. There's no two or more locations that this data needs to be represented in, which is, of course, what DLT is all about. Um, So you wouldn't write that, I don't think, you should write that into into a Cord app. You you probably wanna keep that separate. You know, Cord apps um, are a bit more difficult to upgrade than traditional systems because you've got a you know, you've got the flow draining thing, you've gotta take the the system offline, which means you're no longer receiving messages from other participants on the network. and if you're doing that to upgrade something that's just a piece of logic inside the core app that's not actually anything to do with the ledger or anything, it doesn't. That just doesn't sound like a sensible approach. So, um, mm. and at the end of the day, you don't want to rewrite this stuff. You know, if you're if you're building a DLT application, it's quite it's got its own problems and its own challenges. <clears throat> you don't want to take on a bunch of challenges that have already been solved probably better by by someone else on the market. It makes a lot of sense um, mm. to to reuse those. So that's that. That's why you'd want to reuse the logic that's already existing there, but just replace the bits that will benefit from from DLT. So you're going to need to integrate okay. your, your DLT part into those existing apps. And we're talking about integration with um. Well, uh, let's talk about that now. What
0: so on? What kind of systems have you have you integrated? If no, with then.
1: Well, <clears throat> the so. Um, Margin management systems and, and treasury management systems are the are the, are the main ones. Um, but the um, we'll talk about this in a little bit, I suppose. But the, the key thing that we do is make it as easy as possible to to integrate with Ivno. So you can integrate um, anything. So you don't you don't have to, for example, use a, a Java byte code compatible language. It doesn't have to be a Java or a Kotlin app. Um, so it can can be integrated into it, it, into anything really, um, but certainly yeah, treasury management and, and margin management systems in, in big banks are the um, are the, are the mainstay. Got okay. it. Okay.
0: All right. Um, all right. Well, let's talk about um, what. Uh, yeah. What? Are you, yeah. I mean, you were talking about big banks, sir. Uh, I mean, like, have you got any? What's, what What would you say is the most integrate? What's What would you say is the most challenging? Uh, integration you've had to do to date, then, and what what is challenging about integrating uh, yeah. your core app with a, an existing
1: system? Sure. <clears throat> so, I mean, probably um, I suppose it was the most challenging, but certainly the deepest integration that we've done is with, with one of our custodians, um, uh, and just because they they um, used a lot of the the API endpoints, um, and you know, a couple needed kind of tweaking and. Um, uh, which was fine i mean it all, it all went very well um which is which is great um but they needed some some extra bits and i suppose that's that's one of the challenges with the apis is that they they're there to serve not just one customer they're there to serve um every customer it's um you know we don't we don't develop bespoke uh so the, the core api we don't just develop that in a bespoke way for each customer um we develop that in a way that that all customers can use so it needs to be kind of generic and flexible but at the same time um easy to use that's probably one of the one of the challenges okay all right
0: so uh, so what kind of considerations should you take when you're designing a call app to make it um to make it easier to integrate it
1: yeah so i I think that's I think it's it's important um, to to consider. So I think we talked about integration, and it it is I think going to be important. I think for probably all cord apps um, uh, that, well, perhaps not all cord apps, but most cord apps are going to need to integrate into into existing systems for the reasons that we've talked about. So that is a challenge that you're going to face as you start mm-hmm. going into even going into POC. Um, that depending on the scope of the the proof of concepts you know exactly what concept are we trying to prove um they might want to actually integrate with some test instances of their systems to prove that that integration uh so you are going to hit that challenge um so you want to make it as easy as possible for the customer to 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 do that to build their poc so one of the things that that we've done and and i think is quite core and quite key. I think if you're gonna if you're gonna mm. really take integration seriously, is building yeah. some an easier interface than the RPC interface to to integrate into the Corda. Um, I think a lot of development teams won't be familiar with with RPC, uh, and that's a that's kind of an immediate barrier. Um, mm. But also, uh, you'd have to write your integration with a, a, a java bytecode language so java or kotlin um which again the teams might not be um java or or kotlin uh you know skilled up in in either of those languages so Mm -hmm. um so ties you in a little bit so i think putting an http interface over the over the top is pretty key um i know feedback from from our trial that we ran um last year the year before Mm -hmm. um was that and HTTP API was um, was was key you know it was really uh, really important for them to have that Um, so taking that taking that approach you kind of you're breaking down barriers so you're making it easier for for the customer and effectively cheaper as well um, for them to uh, to build their POC and you know they're gonna probably have to sort of report that up higher and higher to try and get sign-offs and things to to actually move into into production but if they can get that Initial POC in there uh, cheaper, then um, you've got more chance of them getting that signed off, and more chance of uh, of engaging yeah. with that customer. Yeah. So, um, so you've got any tips or techniques that you could share with us that could help reduce some of those barriers to adoption? Sure. Yeah. Something that we uh, found that our, our customers found really useful um, was for the ability for us to create them little private. Uh, sandbox networks, so it's a, a running instance of our of our application um, with it, with two two parties in there, um, and they could just integrate directly with that. So it's all the we do all the heavy lifting, if you like, of of creating a private network. Um, so you know, creating a notary and the network map service and the the different service nodes, the sort of custodian node and things that need to to exist for the network to operate. Um, so ultimately, what it means is that you know a, a development team. Can have no understanding of of Corda, um, and they're still able to write proof of concepts against our HTTP API on a real running instance of uh, of the application. Amazing, and there you have it. <laughs> there you have it.
0: Well, I think that's a great note to finish it on. Thank you so much for taking the time to uh, to go through uh, some of the stuff with me. Um, sure. And I wish I wish you and the guys. Uh, Ifno, all the very best, and very much looking forward to uh, yeah, to finding out uh, uh, you know the next the next stage, you know what what happens next in the Ifno story. Thanks, Martin. Yeah, me too. Thanks for listening. You can follow me on Twitter to catch future episodes, and all previous episodes can be found at any of the best streaming services in town, as well as on YouTube. This show was created by me, Martin G. Produced by my lowly house elf, Oscar. Don't give them a suck, Bennett, and broadcast live from the basement.